It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Intersections Matches Talk Radio, a monthly holistic lifestyle show focused on the continual evolution into the best versions of our authentic selves. This is Justina, your host. I'm the founder of Intersections Match, the only matchmaking and online dating support company focused on South Asian singles throughout North America. As a coach and matchmaker to high-achieving South Asians who are interested in designing lives of significance. I'm always interested in fresh perspectives from authors, researchers, experts, and leaders in both the South Asian community and broader mainstream community beyond. Aligned with Designing Lives of Significance, we have our monthly professional development spotlight series, Live Your Potential. So let's jump in. Today's guest speaker is Sheila Thamarajan. Welcome to the show, Sheila. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, Jasmina. It's great to be here. It's a pleasure to have you, and I'd like to introduce Sheila. Sheila is Head of Business Development at Selmuth Media and is responsible for originating investment opportunities and outreach. Prior to joining Selmuth Media, Sheila was an on-air television reporter for CNBC and Bloomberg Television, where she regularly reported on a wide range of business news and breaking stories. She um, has also served as a host of The Future Is Now, a Yahoo web series focused on innovation and cutting-edge technologies. And before her foray, foray into television, Sheila was an investment professional where she focused on analyzing and executing private equity investments across a range of industries, including healthcare, consumer retail, and information services. And Sheila graduated from the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania, earned a BS in finance and management, and she also earned her MBA from the Stanford Graduate School of Business. Welcome again, Sheila. We're just going to jump right in. Okay, so, sounds good. <laughs> So you have a variety of professional experiences, and wonder if you have any interesting experiences or anecdotes to share with our listeners regarding your early years as an investment professional at the beginning. Okay, I'm back. Is she back? No, I don't think she probably doesn't even know what happened. I don't know if she, I don't know if she dropped. I have no idea. Just two one two 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 three one three eight three. There it is. Oh, she's done. 
Hi, Sheila. This is Justina. Hi. Sorry about that, huh? Just oh, as I was getting definitely. started, technology fails on us. There we go. No worries. Let's let's jump back in, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, repeat that question but for our listeners and yourself. So give a variety of professional experiences. And wondering if you have any interesting experiences or anecdotes to share with our listeners regarding your early years as an investment professional, you know, at the beginning of your career, and especially as a South Asian woman. Yeah, you know, I think one of the biggest takeaways I learned from the the beginning of my career, um, particularly when I was in investment banking, which is, you know, there's a lot of urban legend and lore about investment banking and the hours you work and some of the crazy things you have to do and all the hard work you have to put in. All of that is true, but one thing I learned in life early on is just being in the room is a huge, huge learning experience. So when I was an investment banking analyst, yes, I was not doing anything glamorous. I was crunching the numbers. I was carrying the books. I was organizing the meetings. I was doing the research, but... I also got to be in the presence and in the room with some very talented CEOs, some very talented investment professionals. Those are all huge learning experiences. You know, I think there's this notion today that as soon as you come out of school, as uh, you know, as soon as you you know you start your professional career, you have to all of a sudden be doing some very highfalutin big position jobs. Don't forget, when you're Mm -hmm. young, you can learn a lot just by being there. Don't focus too much on the exact you know, job and kind of, you know, what you're doing, you're learning a lot just by being in there. So absorb everything you can. Wonderful, wonderful insight. And I'm wondering for, for those people who are interested, you know, what, for what you said, they, they're actually really interested in entering investment banking. Any insights for those aspiring investment bankers as to how to even get their foot in the door in terms of having those opportunities to absorb? As you said. Yeah. You know, I was very lucky in my own professional career because I went to a school like Wharton undergrad, which is, mm-hmm. you know, very well hooked into the investment banking community. But what I also sure. learned is after working within these organizations, there are plenty of people who haven't gone to some of these schools. So there are plenty of people who have gone to non-business undergrad schools who have, you know, maybe gone to more untraditional schools. Reach out to them. You know, take advantage of that alumni network. Take advantage of the networking opportunities you have. Don't be afraid just to do the cold email, to do the cold call. Uh, you'd be very surprised at how willing people are to, to talk to junior folks, to talk to younger folks, and impart any sort of advice or wisdom. So I think my, my biggest piece of advice is don't be afraid just to reach out. You never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to come of a phone call or an introduction. Wonderful. Now, what led to your interest in becoming an on-air reporter for CNBC and Bloomberg? <laughs> And I also, I mean, I get the same question about, you know, any interesting experience, insights, anecdotes to share with our listeners regarding your years as a reporter. So I would love yeah. to learn all of that. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's a pretty unusual path, right? So here I was in this very traditional investment banking, private equity background. I went to business school. I, You know, I kind of thought I was going to be a Wall Street lifer. And then, you know, the unexpected happens. And in my case, it was the downturn. I mean, sure, like, you know, the economy goes in cycles, but no one could certainly anticipate how bad things were in 2008 and 2009. Uh, The private equity firm that I was at, uh, you know, was having some of its own issues, so I ended up leaving them. You know, I was trying desperately, actually, to get back into Wall Street at the time, but, um, you know, it just just wasn't going to happen. Things were so bad, you know, the sentiment was so terrible, the opportunities were so slim, that at that point I started telling myself, you know, I need to think out of the box a little bit. I can't be so tied into, you know, this one path, this one, you know, goal I have set out for myself in terms of mm-hmm. a Wall Street career. So I started to think out of the box. And then, um, you know, I, I just listened to my intuition. So I, I ended up falling sick for a couple of days, and I was watching a lot of business television just to keep my head in the game. 
And I just remember there was this moment of me watching business television and saying to myself, hey, I can totally do that. Uh, I actually know what I'm talking about. I've worked on Wall Street before. I have the real-life experience. You know, just my personality is one that I'm not afraid to, to talk to people, to be in front of the camera, to have a public presence. So that wasn't something that I was very nervous about. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's funny how a lot of the dots in your life start to connect together. So, you know, on the one hand, I had very strong business and practical experience. On the other hand, you know, my personality was such that I knew I'd enjoy this career. And then finally, I'd also done a fair amount of media and entertainment in my in my prior lives, right? So I'd interned, you know, over the summer at a television channel. I'd worked in, you know, technology and media companies. So all of a sudden, this seemed like the perfect opportunity to bring everything together. And... You know, it, it was one of those things, I think I, it was partly luck, partly a lot of hard work. Uh, it was during the downturn, so I think people were open to, you know, trying out new things and, and being open mm-hmm. to folks like me who are trying to make career switches. And then part of it was just the, you know, the hustle. And and this is where I say you never, you know, you never want to give up an opportunity to meet someone, to take a phone call, to, to send out a cold email. You never know how it's all going to come together. So I started to tap my own network and see if this could be an interesting possibility and if if the switch was even possible, right? I mean, let's be real, journalism, particularly television journalism, is very hard to break into. When I started sure. to get um, some inklings that, you know, a switch could be possible, I just really started to network my way into it. I started to talk to anyone and everyone I knew. And then my big break actually happened uh, at, a, at a Stanford dinner I was at. You know, I was at some leadership dinner that the university was throwing, and Jeff Bukas who was the CEO of Time Warner, uh, was being honored at that dinner that night. I walk up to him afterwards, and I was like, Mr. Bukas, congratulations on your award. You know, I'm really interested in making the switch into television. I was hoping you could introduce me to someone at CNN. And, you know, he hands me his business card. He's like, why don't you, why don't you get in touch with me tomorrow? And, you know, in those situations, it's kind of 50-50 mm-hmm. if people get back to you or if anything ever comes out of it. But I did email him the next day, and to his credit, he was incredibly helpful uh, he said, I never promised anyone a job, but I can absolutely introduce you to someone. So he introduced me to some folks at CNN, and there you go. That was that was a slow start of my of my business television reporting career. Wow. I love all the nuggets you just shared in that. I mean, everything from the connecting the dots and how you went back and said, you know, I have this media experience. I have all these experiences as they come together. And just, you know, your follow-up and you're having the – the confidence, you're going up to that person, which I'm sure there are many other people who would be kind of thinking, wow, would I could have, should I, but you actually did it. So I, um, I love, very inspirational. I love that. And you're, you're now in private equity. And, you know, I know, you know, any insights or guidance for listeners interested in entering into, you know, PE? I, you know, um, I imagine it's going to be somewhat with respect to the hustle, but um, tell me, you know, tell me about anything, tell our listeners who are interested in that field. Yeah, I mean, just to to continue on my path a little bit. So I, you know, I ended up doing this amazing television, you know, reporting career for four and a half years. And then it was time for another pivot in my career. And I was ready to come back to finance. I I thoroughly enjoyed journalism. I thoroughly enjoyed television reporting. But for me, when I thought about my future career and opportunity, Mm -hmm. I I knew I wanted to come back to finance. And, um, you know, I think, again, a lot of the lessons that, you know, we've kind of woven through our conversation so far apply to anyone who's interested in looking at private equity. Don't be afraid to talk to anyone and everyone. You got to reach out. You got to put yourself out there. That's the only way people are going to know you're interested. I think the good thing about private equity these days is that the industry has evolved and institutionalized to a certain extent. 
So, you know, 10, 15 years ago, the scope of the roles within private equity were fairly limited, right? You were either a an investment professional and maybe you did some fundraising, maybe you're on the admin side. But now, just because the industry has evolved so much, there's a lot of different ways you can touch private equity. So whether it's, you know, in a role like mine, which is business development, or, you know, mm-hmm. actually doing deals and being an investment professional, or whether it's being an operating executive working at a portfolio company, there are a lot of different ways to touch the private equity industry. So I would encourage folks to, to explore all of them. And don't be so constrained by, oh, I only want, you know, one job or one firm. There's a lot of ways to enter in this industry. Oh, that is really interesting in terms of the whole evolution of the field and how now people of all sort of different backgrounds can, you know, can find a place in the whole industry. Um, I know, so I know you're a graduate of Warden, and, you know, I've actually spoken at Warden Columbia and HBS at women's student conferences, and regardless of the panel that I was participating in or moderating, the issue of work-life balance invariably came up. Um, of course. As a prof- of course, as a woman, right? As a professional, a high-achieving professional, a wife, a mother, any guidance for the women on the line in particular, the women who are in or planning to enter, you know, careers, high-pressure careers, what, what advice might you have for them in terms of that, you know, elusive idea of balance or just kind of getting, you know, keeping everything in the air? You know, I think that's I think that's part of it. I think that I I think that idea of this perfect work life balance and by the mm-hmm. way, looking really good while doing it and wearing high heels is really elusive. <laughs> and I don't yeah. think people should try and achieve that. You know, I think one of the best pieces of advice I got about work life balance is don't think about mm-hmm. it from like a day to day perspective or from a you know, is my life balanced from a twenty four hour perspective, but you gotta take a longer time view to that. So I think, you know, over a over a certain, you know, time frame, if you can be like, I, I think of I've balanced my life and my work and my personal, you know, well-being in a way in in a in a balance that makes me happy. Then I'm doing okay. I'd say it's it's almost impossible to find that on a daily basis because that's just not the way the world works, right? Everything ebbs and flows. Right. There are times you're going to have to really focus on work and maybe you know, not spend as much time with family. There are times when you got to put the family first and put the work to the side. And there are times that you need for you. So, you know, I think my first thought about that is to always take a step back and think about balance from mm-hmm. a much bigger timeline, horizon, and perspective than just kind of from a day to day. I think my second point of view is that, you know, if it's something you really want, you'll figure it out. And I think I think the important part of that is you really want to have it. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong in saying, you know, there are certain parts of my life that are more important to me than others, and I'm willing to forego the others. I think that's perfectly mm-hmm. fine as well. But I think one of the things I've learned, you know, throughout my various jobs is if if you want to make it work, you'll somehow figure out a way. It's never perfect. It's never pretty. It's you know, it, it's a lot of it's uh, a lot of it's like the analogy of like you know a duck, right? Like everyone looks calm and cool above water, but underneath they're paddling furiously their legs. There's a <laughs> lot of that that goes on. But I think if it's really important to you, and I think if it's something you're passionate about, um, you will make it work. And I think the last thing I'd say is, you know, it's something you just you got to continually work at and evolve. So, you know, it's something that I'm certainly facing in my life, not only every day, but also in different in different scales as well. So right now I have a son who's almost three years old. Uh, we're expecting, okay. you know, a, a sibling for him in August. So it's it's a different phase oh, of my well, life. Oh, okay. Thank you. Different expectations. Uh-huh. So I think it's just something you sure. got to continually think about, continually work at, but. Big picture, if it's something you want, you will be able to achieve it. And then don't be afraid to ask. If you need flexibility in certain things, if you, you know, need help in certain things, I don't think there's any shame in asking for help and getting help and outsourcing, talking to people about it. you got to make it work for you. 
And, you know, in order to do that, you got to, you know, you got to ask what you need. Wonderful. And, you know, that was so comprehensive. And I will say that whole idea of taking that long-term view and really looking, not taking kind of the micro view of, you know, day-to-day or even like hour by hour, but realizing, yeah, some, you're going to have kind of pockets of hours and to be devoted to one or another of your, you know, top goals. As long as your top goals are accounted for over a longer, broader view, that's, that's where it's at. So I really appreciate that. And along the lines of don't be afraid to ask, you know, I, I personally, um, you know, believe that the choice of a life partner, you know, is obviously extremely high stakes as it influences one's entire life, you know, including professional and, and every other aspect. So as a wife and a mother, I mean, I ask you, do you have any tips for young women or men, you know, with respect to, you know, choosing that life partner um, with sort of your long-term sort of design a life perspective involved? Yeah, I mean, look, I think one of the, I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, I know Sheryl Sandberg has has written quite a lot about this topic about you know mm-hmm. don't don't absolutely. worry about some of the other decisions about work or which job. You know, the biggest decision yeah. is your life partner, and I think that's important right. because if you really want to create a family and a, a life with you know another partner and build a family, it, it it's all hands on deck. There is just no if mm-hmm. ands or buts about right. that. Like it. It's mm-hmm. all hands on deck. So you have to find someone who's supportive, um, who knows what's important to you. I think that's really important. Like I was very clear that, you know, having a career and being a working mother was important. You know, people mm-hmm. have different preferences and different thoughts about that. Sure. So you should think about, you know, when choosing your life partner, that it's someone who's aligned with yourself on that. And then I think mm-hmm. there's also a certain level of give and take you got to give, right? Um you know, at sometimes you got to realize that you have to put someone else ahead of you and maybe someone else's career a little bit ahead of you. Um, then maybe mm-hmm. your time will come. But I think, you know, I think one of the, I think one of the big traps that people fall into, and I mean, good God, I've fallen into this myself when I was younger, is, you know, you graduate from college, like you know, you've gone to these amazing schools, you've achieved so much already, and then you you mm-hmm. have this ten year life plan, right? Like you think in your head, like, okay, I want to be this by this age. I want to go to this business school, and then I'm going to get this to the school, and then I'm going to be a partner by this. And oh, by the way, I'm going to have two kids, and, <laughs> you know, everything else. And I think uh-huh. my my thought on that is, you should absolutely achieve for the highest you know level of achievement you want and the goals you want mm-hmm. and you know, totally, like, you know, like, scare yourself in terms of how high your goals are, but I wouldn't Mm -hmm. hold yourself too tight in terms of how you get there. What, I mean, the one thing Mm -hmm. I've definitely learned in all of my experiences is that life is all about pivoting and how you react to certain situations. So, you know, during the downturn, when, when Wall Street wasn't happening for me, then I could have, you know, fallen into despair and, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of focused on that negative. I think you got to be able to pivot life, right? You have to be able to pivot and be like, okay, how am I gonna how am I gonna deal with this that's been thrown in my way? How am I gonna deal with that? And I think what you'll find is as you as you balance yourself through those pivots, and I think as you go through them, it all kind of comes together. And you just you just got to be prepared for that and not too rigid in terms of some sort of ten year life plan that you put together when you were twenty two. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, the we plan and God laughs. But I think that you know what you said in terms of pivoting is so. It's such a golden nugget for everyone here. And, um, you know, and I'm sure, you know, your media experiences, which probably were not in your, right? They weren't in your 10-year plan at, at, you know, early stages. They actually really probably flavored your current experience with private equity in terms of added a dimension you never would have imagined. So I think, um, you know, that's 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 absolutely right. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm in a position right now which I think is fantastic and I think, you know, really encompasses a lot of things about, 
investing in people and business that I love. I don't know if I would have ever gotten to this position if I hadn't followed the kind of circuitous path I did. And um, I think that's something important to keep in mind. It's not always going to, you know, not necessarily plan, you know, the way the way you want it to be. Or as you said, you know, we plan God yeah. laughs. But, um, you know, I think if you if you achieve, I think if you have high achievements, I think if you have high goals and kind of know ultimately what you're looking for, um, mm-hmm. you know, don't don't worry too much about the path to get there. You'll get there eventually. I love that. I really appreciate your sharing your insights with all of us, Sheila. I'm wondering if you have any last thought, any take-home message that you'd like to share with our listeners. Yeah, you know, I think um, I was thinking about this before I got on the phone today. I think there are two things that have mm-hmm. really helped me in my life. You know, when I was a freshman in college, there was a speaker, and I really wish I knew her name and I could remember her and be in touch with her because, you know, what she said at some speech my freshman year of college has, has played such a big role in my life, and it's really about decision-making. Her piece of advice was, if it was the best decision you can make at the time, don't worry mm-hmm. about it. Like, you, you've done the best you can. Don't think twice about it again. I think we live in this age where we're so hard on ourselves and, you know, always look back and be like, well, should I have done this? Should I have done that? You know, at every point in time, you have a certain nexus of information that you have to take in and make decisions on. I think if you can look mm-hmm. at all the points in your life where you've had to make big decisions and be like, you know what, based on the information I knew, based on what I knew then, it was the best decision I could make you got to feel good about that. No regrets. Don't look back and move forward. And then I think the second point is really, you know, what we were just talking about was in terms of the pivot. You know, life is going to throw all sorts of things at you, whether it's, you know, an economic downturn, whether it's a sick parent, whether it's, you know, something unexpected that comes up. And I think, you know, the ability to be successful is not so much about getting from point A to point B. It's about getting Mm -hmm. from point A to point B, you know, through the pivots that are going to come your way and how you navigate them and how you get around them. And that's what you should focus on. Thank you so much. Um, Wow. Really insightful. And thank you so much, Sheila, for all your insights. It's been an absolute pleasure. I know that you've enriched the lives of all our listeners with all of those goals and nuggets. So thank you. Thank you. Everyone, in case you joined us late and would like to share this show with people in your life, I'd like to remind you that today's radio show will be archived and available as a podcast on Intersections Match's website, which is www.intersectionsmatch.com. Appreciate your hanging out with us, and make sure to join us for our next show. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Then, Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.